You know, as she was reading my bio, I'm like, what the heck is that? I'm embarrassed. When I think about, say, the Apostle Paul's bio, you remember it? Bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about a, a, a man in a church I was pastor. He came to me one day, and we'd built a good friendship, and he brought me a, a, something he wanted to give me. And he said, you don't know this, but, but my dad was a Church of Christ pastor, and he, he never pastored a big church, but he's one of the most faithful men of God I've ever known. And he said, I, I, I have the last one of his business cards. I've carried it around with me for a lot of years. He said, I want you to have it. And he handed it to me. And it said on the card, it's just a plain white card, kind of crinkled from being carried for a long time. Sam Hill, bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, you know what? I want that to be my bio. Because here's the crazy thing. Imagine when people see that. Paul, bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. People would think, my, with that kind of master, imagine what a free person would look like. I mean, if a slave looks like that, imagine what freedom is. Because that's the thing, slavery to Jesus is freedom. We will be a slave. The question is, will we become sons and daughters and move on to becoming saints, holy ones? I remember from my, my first year of, of law school, one of the, we, were, we were in property law, and property law is the most difficult kind of law because it comes from all over the world. It's, it's not really codified well. It's not set up so much in any sort of code or order. It's just coming from cases, disputes, lawsuits. And I remember one day my professor said something to me I've never forgotten. He was a wise professor, and he said, he said, John David, a, a page, a page of history is worth more than 10,000 pages of logic. And when I came to this seminary, I remember no one said it exactly like this, but this is what I took away from this faculty here. I took away the sense that a word of revelation is worth more than 10,000 pages of information. I was talking to my son, Sam, the other day, and he's 15, and I I was talking to him about this. I said, Sam, do you know that 
we carry around in our pockets now all the information in the world. It's right here, every bit of it. One word of this is worth more than all the information in the world. I've gotten an amen from John Oswald. I think we're done here. This is what I love about this text. Uh, this is how I hear Jesus saying it, just like you read it. And this, is, this text, it comes at an interesting place. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm going to need about an hour. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Abba, Lord of heaven and earth. He's like saying, blessed are you. It's like that old Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu, right? Why? You know, there's all sorts of things they would put after that. But in this instance, Jesus says this, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. When I uh, was working here in the chapel, one day I said, you know, you should write that above uh, every page in your notebooks. That's back when we had notebooks, but you should write it in every page of your notebooks. We should put this on placards above every classroom that we go into. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned. And yet you've revealed them to little children. One word of revelation worth more than 10,000 pages of, of information. And it's easy to sort of draw a false dichotomy here and think that, well, when he's talking about the wise and the learned, well, he's talking about the scholars. And when he's talking about the little children, he's talking about the, you know, the people who think they really don't need to dig the well. But what I believe he's saying is that these two personas all exist in every one of us. And the question is, who are we bringing today? Am I bringing that heart, that posture, of someone who is wanting to amass information, amass knowledge, which is another way of amassing power, or am I coming in utter humility? Am I coming saying, you know what? I'm bringing all that I have, and it's not much, but it's all that I have. I think that's how our faculty here want to bring themselves to the classroom. They want to bring themselves into a context, not of disseminating information, but of creating a context where a group of people can participate in revelation, in something that the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us all together.
I remember when I was in seminary, I was reading some A.W. Tozer. And he had this great example. I'm going to change it a little bit. You can change Tozer. You can't change the Bible. But this morning, I, I went over to, to Fitch's. And you see what I got? Donuts. And you know, I can, I can tell you a lot about this donut. In fact, I could, I could probably go get a PhD in how to make them. I could tell you the calorie count, but I won't. I could tell you everything that goes into them. I could tell you there's thousands of, there's the Krispy Kreme technique, there's the Dunkin' Donuts technique, and then there's the Leonard Fitch technique. Okay? I could tell you all about this donut until Jesus comes back and starve to death. I could starve to death. And there's a sense, and I know, I know a lot about the donut. But I don't know it. I know it at the level of information. But I don't know it at the level of revelation until I eat the donut. And man, I want to eat it right now. <laughs> It's not on my plan. I can tell you, you get my point. A thousand, ten thousand pages of information about this donut pales in comparison to one bite. That's not to knock the information. That's all good. But I guess the whole thing about this is it's the posture... It's the posture of coming, waking up every day. I even forgot to say, wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead. That's right, guys. Waking up every day and say, you know what? I'm not coming here to learn about Jesus. I'm coming here to learn from Him. I'm not coming here to to amass knowledge and information and credentials, though those are not bad things. I'm coming here to know Him beyond knowledge. That's what, the, that's what Revelation does. Now look where this goes. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one, you see the Joe Donjel thing I just did there? That's awesome. I learned that from him. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him, to reveal Him. See, I'm not talking about private revelation. I'm talking about public revelation. This is public revelation. But unless Jesus teaches us this, it can remain information. It can just remain information. But Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
can cause for this book to catch on fire. And for that fire to actually get in our bones. It's astonishing. He's hidden these things from the the wise and the learned. That's not the goal. The goal is to become like that humble child, to enter the kingdom and to eat this book. Right? We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But this, this, this thing, Jesus says, this, this, um, all things committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this in his message translation. He says, this is a unique father and son operation coming out of father and son intimacies. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who is willing to listen. That's why I came to this seminary. That's why I work for this seminary. That's why you came to this seminary. You came so that Jesus could go over it with you line by line. That's that's what a... You didn't come for a master's of divinity. You came to be mastered by divinity or whatever masters you're in. You didn't come to become a master. You came to be mastered by This is a place, unusual place, in all the world. This is a place of revelation. And it's because you've got leadership here. You've got an administration, and you've got a faculty, and you've got a staff who, who understand that. You know, Jesus is the president of this seminary, right, Dr. Tennant? Jesus teaching all the classes. He's the, he's the teacher. Your professors, they're just abiding in Him. They're learning from Him. They're sharing with you. Same thing the Holy Spirit does with us. Holy Spirit takes from Jesus, gives to us. It's direct relationship. But, but now here's, a, here's another thing here. In evangelicalism, We've kind of set up the paradigm that the most important relationship in the world is my relationship with Jesus. But it's not. Do you know the most important relationship in the cosmos? It's the Father's relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit and the bond of the Spirit. Like, we are actually brought into their relationship. Because, you see, that is the place of revelation. And it is now on earth as it is in heaven. We are seated in heaven. We are standing on earth. Jesus is ascended at the right hand of God. He is present among us. This is the mystery of the kingdom. I remember growing up, 
my parents, when I was young, they had this meat wagon, station wagon, you know, family truckster, Clark Griswold taught us. Big, ugly station wagon. And I remember my sisters and I would fight over the middle seat in the back seat. Like, who wants the middle seat and not a window seat? Well, here's the thing. The front seat had these two bucket seats in it. And in the middle was like this little armrest that would fold up and down. And if you sat in the middle, you could lean over. This is days before seatbelts. You could lean over into the front seat, right into the midst of their conversation. Right? And you would hear all the things. You could hear what's going on in their minds and in their relationships and in their stories and what they're saying about my sisters. And You see, that's, that's what I believe Jesus is praying for when He says, my prayer, Abba, is that all them would be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. That we're, when we're abiding, we're leaning in. We're leaning just through this thin veil that separates heaven from earth, and we're leaning in to their relationship. And things are being revealed there all the time. I love how Isaiah one day just overhears, you know, when he's in the throne room, and I think the sense of it is that he overhears finally, who will go for me? Whom shall I send? It was because he'd finally leaned in in the year that the thing all he'd put his hopes in, King Uzziah, had died, it was just I want this donut. <laughs> you know, this morning I was I walked I got up early in the morning and some days when I, I get up, the thought will come into my mind about Jesus. You know, he woke up early a lot. And in one instance, we're told, he actually left the house to go out and meet with God. I thought, well, let's give that a run today. I'm just going to go. I'm going to leave the house and just go outside. I'm going to walk. And, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to walk to Fish's and get a donut. And so I was walking across town, and um, I come up on the subway, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, as I'm walking through the college campus, I'm like, you know what, I, I have a son here. There's one person in this town that is more important to me than anybody else in, in this whole town. And it's my son. And he's, he's right there in that dorm. He's, he, and I just kind of prayed for him as I walked by. And I was coming up on subway, headed to Fitch's, and I looked up, and there he is. My son, David, he's gone to Fitch's already and gotten some sausage and biscuits and coffee, and he's just going to sit down there on the porch at Subway and have his breakfast. And I'm like, how about that? The one person is, I'm meeting him here at 7.30 in the morning, completely unplanned. Father and son intimacies. That wasn't too deep. But you get my point. We've been working the past um, eight or nine weeks with pastors. We, coming out of COVID, 
we just were noticing that of all the, the essential workers, not to be called essential workers, who've just taken it, they're our pastors. They're the essential workers of the kingdom, unrecognized, unnoticed, fighting. They're, they're just in the midst of all the fights about masks and politics, and it's, an, it's just been insanity. You all know that. And we thought, you know, we need to gather as many pastors as who will raise their hand and just begin to love them, to begin to minister to them, to begin to speak life into them, to create a context of revelation where Jesus can recover that relationship with them. Basically, we thought, you know what, we're going to call this first love. And so we, we started meeting on Zoom, and well, I was meeting with like a bunch of them every morning for like 50 days, like 6.30 in the morning. We're just getting up and reading Philippians together. We're running that out on the daily text now. A lot of them are preaching it in their churches. But we just get up and gather around the Word, and every morning we would start, I'd say, okay, guys, well, first thing I'd say is wake up, sleepers, and rise from the dead. We got to, we got to, when it says Christ will shine on you, you know that word there for shine? It's not like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's like epiphano. It, we get the word epiphany from it. It means something like reveal. He will reveal things to you. And so that's why we say that all the time. Wake up. That's, that's the greatest gift we can give each other is to help one another stay awake. But um, I digress. So the first thing I would do, I'd say, guys, we're going to, let's get your compasses out. Get your compass out. We're going we're gonna to find true north here this morning. We go to Philippians 3, 10 and 11. We just say it every day. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so we just say that together. That was true north, and we'd go into our text, and we'd pray, and we'd engage around that. And every Monday, we'd have a, a group of what we call pastor's pastors who would come on the thing with us. And, you know, I'm like, guys, we're not talking about how to do church. We're not talking about remodeling church. We're talking about how can we recover our first love because that's what this world desperately needs from us as we come out of this season. There is an opening right now. A door has opened. A door has opened. And we've got to go through it. A wide door of opportunity is before us. And the most critical thing for us who are serving the body of Christ is to recover deep, deep first love. It's to shift from knowing about into knowing. The knowing beyond knowledge. I remember we had uh, Jack Deere on one of those calls and he just asked the pastors, and, and all these people that we had on there just really kept it real, and he said, uh, he said, you know what I'm finally learning 
in the latter part of my ministry. This is the guy who wrote Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. Got kicked out of Dallas Theological Seminary for being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, um, I'm learning the affection of Jesus. He said, I'm just learning to receive the affection of Jesus. That leaning in to the intimacy of the world of revelation between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, changing my life. First love. We shorten that prayer. Here's that prayer in five words. I, I try to pray it a hundred times a day and then lose count. Jesus, I belong to you. Say that with me. Jesus, I belong to you. Say it again. Jesus, I belong to you. You know, this morning as I was walking across the campus, just, just praying that prayer, you know what I began to sense in my spirit? I sensed him saying, John David, I belong to you. John David, I belong to you. He's saying that to you all. And when we belong to him and he belongs to us, you know what the Bible word for that is? Abiding. The kingdom. The place that is pregnant with revelation. Where one word there is worth more than 10,000 words of information. It's like the psalmist would say, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And so that's, I just want to encourage you today. I want to close out the way the passage closes. Jesus is just, he's talking to him tenderly because he's just been really mad. He has spoken woes over all these cities, Capernaum, these places he'd gone, and nobody is responding. Nobody is getting it, and he is really mad. And then he, 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 it's, and, 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 and Peterson says, and now Jesus leans over to the people and he begins talking to them tenderly. That's when he says that prayer. He says, come to me. It's kind of like, that's the first come to Jesus moment, isn't it? Come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary, who are carrying heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You'll find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy. If what you're doing right now is hard, it's not Jesus. I'm not saying it's not challenging, but if it's just like weighing you down like a burden, sometimes, see, our relationship with Jesus can be the thing out here that distracts us from Jesus. We can put all of our energy into being more committed to Him and what he's saying is, I don't need you to be more committed to me. I need you to be consecrated to me. I need you, all of you. And we have to keep on coming back and bringing ourselves 
Because the more we bring ourselves to Him, the more of ourselves will free up to give to Him. This is the, the, the beautiful thing. The easiest thing in the world, guys, is, is to find Jesus. But you know what's even easier than that? To lose Him, to lose the scent, to get slightly off the trail, to slip over into learning about instead of receiving from. This is just a little wake-up call today. It's, it's time to be done. <sighs> mm. Mm. I mean, that is really good. I want Mark to come. He's just, I know we're going to switch over here. And, you know, Jesus, he's, I, I just want to keep going, okay? He, just says, he says, I'm the bread of life. When he's talking to people, he's saying, like, whoever eats this bread will live. And he says, anybody thirsty? Come to me and drink. He says, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. He's like, this is bonded, deep attachment that I'm looking for. Put all the religious machinations aside and come to me. Abandon yourself to me. Give yourself to me. Just keep on doing it till you've done it and then do it again. This is life. At the very end, you know, he's like, he breathes on them. He's like, I want you to know me at the level of breath. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's remarkable. And it can become so quickly about so many other things, just a slight degree off trail. Guys, eat the donut.